This is the podcast for RUF at App State. Everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. For more information, visit us at appstate.ruf.org. Rob Heron and I am a campus minister here with RUF at App and we've been going this entire semester the series we're calling big questions questions are really interesting little things are very powerful because they interrupt our lives they interrupt everything and they direct your attention towards something else and when we look at the big questions that are available to us that people have asked that we should ask Who am I? What is good? What is evil? These interrupt our focus to direct our attention on what's ultimately important. And my invitation this semester is for you to see that when we direct our attention toward the God of the Bible, we find something that's even better and weightier than the answers that we so badly think that we we want. We find him. And so let's look at another question tonight, first by reading from the Bible. So first, this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. James 4, 13 through 16. Come now you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your truth. We ask that we would come to it with a genuine humility to know what we do not know, but to, in light of what we do not know, in light of our limits, in light of our uncertainty, that we would entrust ourselves to you because you are certain. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I showed up to the University of Tennessee as a college student, I showed up supplied with a plucky attitude my Lord of the Rings memorabilia, and my What Would Jesus Do bracelet. I had everything that I needed. And I came with the kind of certainty that living for 19 years in an environment where my views and my understanding of the world were rarely, if ever, challenged. I had certainty. And I wore it like the early 2000s Blink-182-inspired leather bracelets that I wore all of the time. But when I got to my first Anthropology 101 course, the professor, a very kind and likable person, began to give a a well-thought-out presentation that, that flew right against the things that I held to be most true and dear as he talked about where people ultimately come from and why we're here. Not only was he pushing against my assumptions, my certainty about where people come from, who made us or did not make us, but also he had heard all of my arsenal of arguments and he remained unconvinced. 
I, I knew that people often were not like me. Not everybody grew up in a Christian environment. But I thought that they would be just as certain as I was if they heard the right arguments. But here he was, unconvinced, arguing, fully convinced that it was not necessary to explain why we're here and where we come from to insert God into the picture. And I remember actually vividly beginning to sweat in that auditorium. I stopped taking notes and I looked up, looking around the room, expecting to find other people looking up, covered in sweat, doing what I was doing. Instead, I saw everyone else just studiously scribbling down notes. And as simple as it is, this is one lecture. In that moment, my wall of security not only started to crumble, but became crashing down. And this one lecture, and in that moment of realizing that I, I didn't maybe know all that well what I thought I knew for certain, it sent me on a path of wondering, how do I know anything? How do I know what I think that I know? It's, it started sending me spiraling so that there was a period after that where my life could have been soundtracked by the Andrew W.K. song, I don't know anything. I don't know the Christ. I don't know how to pray. I can't face the world. I can't even face the day. I don't know anything. How do you know what you think you know? And can you know anything with certainty? How well do you know what you think you know? Whether you are a Christian or not, this is a very important question for us to face because we crave certainty. We want and we love certainty. And to deconstruct your knowledge, your views, to even question yourself, this is not only uncomfortable, but it can be terrifying. And so here's the question tonight. Can I know with certainty? Can I, can you, can we, can we know anything? And can we know the biggest things with certainty. And I want to explore this tonight and open up to you so that you can continue exploring it after this by looking at two things from the Christian perspective. We're going to look at the quest for certainty and the rest of uncertainty, unintentional rhyming. The quest for certainty and the rest of uncertainty. So first, let's look at the quest for certainty. By certainty, I mean definitely true. When we say that we are certain about something, that typically means that we know it without doubt. And that's the way that I'm using the word certain here. And in different ways, each one of us is prone to search and hunt and quest after certainty. A willingness to admit the gaps in our knowledge would be uncertainty. A willingness to say, I'm not so sure that I really know what I think that I know, that does not sell. People are not lining up to hear from people who are going to poke holes in what they think they know. We line up in droves to hear people tell us that you should be absolutely certain about what you already believe and what you want to believe. And for this reason, the Bible calls human certainty, certainty in ourselves, arrogance. So look at James 4, 13 through 16, where James, the author, writes, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. So James is addressing this presumption that we know how long we will live today or tomorrow. And we know our plans are sure. I will trade. And we know that we are in control. We're certain that we're in control 
such that we can make our plan successful, I'll profit. And what does James say about this kind of presumption? He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So our our certainty reveals our presumption, our presumption that we are in the place of God in control of our lives. And we know with certainty what today or tomorrow will bring. And James is telling us that this kind of certainty is arrogance. And so it is is evil. It, It draws us away from God because it rips our dependence away from God and it rips us away from what's really true. And it makes us fools. Of course, what James is not saying is that you can't have any kind of certainty or that all kinds of certainty are bad. His point is, what kind of certainty are you questing after? Your certainty or God's certainty? I'm a big fan of cringe comedy, love cringe comedy. One example of this is I love to watch moments in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where people lose on the first question, which, to be honest, that would be me. But the scene... In one clip where the contestant is smiling, very confident, certain that, he, that he's going to be just all right. And the first question comes, homeowners buy surge protectors to protect their possessions from unexpected surges of what? A, electric current, B, water flow, C, air pressure, D, buyer's remorse. And everybody laughs and the contestant smiles reassuringly and he says, huh, B, water flow, final answer. Pause. Wait, no. And in that moment, the, the awful sound of bum, bum, bum plays. He's got it wrong and he's lost immediately. All because of his certainty. That if he had just taken a moment to be a little bit less certain, he probably would have gotten the answer right. I think this, this tells us something about what our quest for certainty, what it does to us. Because it makes us overly certain about things that we do not know so well. Simply just glance at the political landscape. Take any political or big issue, and each side of that issue is entirely convinced that their side is right. In reality, though, as an author named Jonathan Haidt says, reality is ambiguous. Reality in life is far more gray than it is black and white. And because that's the case, because stuff is very ambiguous often, we can find evidence to support almost anything that we believe. But once we have even a little justification, just a little bit of evidence, then I know that I'm right. And because I know that I'm right, if you disagree with me, it must be because either you're stupid or you're evil. And this maybe explains why our society is is really tearing apart. But much more practically, consider why close friendships are so hard to maintain. They're hard to maintain, not because we disagree with one another or that we hurt one another in itself. It's because when I find myself in conflict, my default is to assume that I am certainly right. And even if I'm not entirely right, I assume that in that moment, I am certainly more right than you. Even if I recognize that I'm in the wrong, I am often certain that you also are in the wrong pretty much just as much as I am. We are, we are certain about all kinds of things that we really don't know so well. If we speak with certainty about the God of the Bible, is it because our hearts are full of proper confidence or is it because I love being right and I love being certain? 
If I raise doubts and questions about the God of the Bible, am I also in that moment a little bit uncertain of myself and where I'm coming from? Or do I arrive at that moment of doubt with absolute certainty? The God is certainly not the God who is spoken of in the Bible. We speak with certainty when we really have so often very little of it. But when I claim something is true or false, how do I really know that it's true or false? When I speak and act with certainty, am I really so certain? Should I be? How do I know what I think I know about others or myself or God? But we don't like these questions. We like certainty. And why? We crave certainty because it promises us security and control. Security and control. In the show Parks and Recreation, Paul Ruddy plays a character who's a childlike millionaire named Bobby Newport, and he's campaigning against Leslie Nope, the director of the department. And in a debate with her, he concludes his debate by saying, how do we fix this town? I have no idea. You tell me. That's what I'm counting on. You telling me. I will ask lots of questions. You give me the answers. Questions are great, but answers are better. And answers, phrased as questions, is how you play Jeopardy. We want answers far more than we want questions. We want certainty far more than we want ambiguity. Because certainty promises us a kind of security and control. It makes us feel safe and in charge. It makes the world around us look tidy and well-kept rather than confusing and chaotic. But what if the world really is ambiguous? What if we really are uncertain? We don't really know what we think we know all that well. But what happened, what's the consequence of this, is that your quest, my quest for certainty, it prevents you from living fully in the real world, which is full of unknowns and in which you and I live as tiny myths. The quest for certainty, it takes the process of landing a job and it it makes it not just a process of making a well-informed decision and it makes it a soul-grinding search for absolute certainty over getting the exact right job, on being on the exact right path. The quest for certainty, it takes dating and it makes it not just a process of getting to know others and yourself and it makes this, this terrifying journey of looking to get your hands on a kind of certainty that no relationship can actually give you. The quest for certainty, it leads nowhere except for more fear and more anxiety. Well, maybe we're not meant for the kind of security that we, the kind of certainty that we've been craving and questing after. So can I know with certainty? The Bible invites me to say goodbye to the quest for certainty on my terms and instead invites us to receive the rest of uncertainty. So we've looked at the quest for certainty. Second, let's look at the rest of uncertainty. The Bible's response to our quest is not, hey, you can't really know anything, so let's just all just go home and watch The Bachelor. That's not its response. Instead, it is let go of your certainty and trust the God who is certain. Let go of your certainty and trust the God who is certain. And this is the idea present in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. 
Stake your life on who God is, what he says, what he does, instead of on your understanding, your knowledge, your certainty. Live your life with a constant acknowledgement that God is God, and so he alone is certain. And then what is the promise? It's not that that God will give you absolute certainty about what to do, that, that he'll give you all of the answers. The answer, the promise, is that God will make your paths straight, that he is able to bring you exactly where you need to go, straight to himself. He's able to grow you. He's able to work your life in the right direction because he is certain, because he knows all things, because he understands all things, and because he is certainly good. But I know that we, of course, ask, how can I know that? You're saying just trust the Lord, stake my life on his certainty. But how do I know that that's actually true? In C.S. Lewis's novel, The Silver Chair, a young girl named Jill, she gets lost in the woods for a long time, and she is becoming painfully thirsty. And eventually, she stumbles on the stream. She's about to drink, but she stops cold in her tracks when she sees the lion, Aslan. Are you thirsty? said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion. No one who had seen his stern face could do that. And her mind suddenly made itself up. It was the worst thing she ever had to do, but she went forward to the stream and knelt down and began scooping up water in her hand. It was the coldest, most refreshing water she had ever tasted. You didn't need to drink much of it for it quenched your thirst at once. Jesus invites us to trust to drink from his stream and then find that he is certain. Giving up your certainty is not only painful, it is terrifying because it means giving up your self-security and your control. It means yielding your false sense of certainty and security by putting yourself at the mercy of a God who will not shrink himself who will not make himself less frightening by sharing his infinite knowledge with you. But like the lion who does not devour Jill in harm, rewarding her trust with hurt, instead he devours her into his love, satisfying her thirst. Just that same way, Jesus rewards your trust by being to you and for you exactly who he is for everyone who comes to him thirsty a certain hope. He invites you into a relationship that's grounded in certainty, but not of the kind of your knowledge, but instead the kind that comes from his certain steadfast love. And you know this. You find this to be true as you come to him, drinking from his stream, entering into his world. You cannot come to Jesus after becoming certain about him. 
You cannot come to Jesus after becoming certain about him. No, you come to him with all of your uncertainties and you find him certain. This is a very different kind of certainty. But within this kind of relationship, you're able to rest in uncertainty. If Jesus is your certainty, you can stop questing and you can start resting. You can live within the gray and accept the limits of your knowledge. You can honestly say, I do not know what today will bring, much less tomorrow, much less next semester, next year, or when I graduate from college. I don't know. And yes, that's an uncomfortable reality, but it's not terrifying. If today and tomorrow and next semester and after you graduate, Jesus is the exact same. And he's there and he's able to bring you and grow you in the direction of where you need to go. Within this relationship, you can look at someone else's perspective on a political or big issue when when their perspective runs against your own and you can honestly consider it. You can honestly consider and weigh your own questions about God and who he is because you're also weighing and questioning and considering the truth of who you are and where you're coming from. In all these things, you can rest while far from certain, far from confident, if Jesus is your confidence. And embracing uncertainty through Jesus, it does not freeze you. Instead, it it lifts you up. It gets you unstuck and allows you to live with confidence. If you embrace uncertainty in Jesus, you can actually live with confidence. Like unlike the quest for certainty, resting in uncertainty, as you trust Jesus, allows you to get unstuck and make decisions without terror. You can be unsure about the future and about your feelings and still date someone because you are learning from Jesus that certainty is not a prerequisite for a worthwhile relationship. You can move forward with a job not knowing whether this is the exact best and right thing because you know that wherever you go, Jesus wants your trust and wherever you go, he is able to make your paths straight. Whatever the future holds, you can look at it as uncomfortable as it may be without being crushed by terror because you know at the end of it all is something and someone that's actually far better the plans than the plans that you think that you know that you want. You can live confidently as you are far less than confident if Jesus is your confidence. Can you and I know anything with certainty? Let's, let's be honest with ourselves. Even if we could, even if we knew everything with certainty, that doesn't mean that we would embrace what we know. In the New Testament, there's a character named Peter, and he has more reason probably than anyone to have certainty that Jesus is the hope of the world. He's seen Jesus do amazing things in other people's lives and in his life. But when Jesus is arrested and the crowds come and they're rounding up Jesus's followers, Peter denies with certainty that he has ever met Jesus. Three times he denies Jesus. I tell you, I do not know the man. What does Jesus do with uncertain people? When Jesus was on the cross, standing in the place of and dying in the place of people who were certain that it was the right thing to do to kill him. There was a thief hung up right next to him. 
And with his final breath, this, this thief, we can imagine with a desperate uncertainty, almost begs Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus tells him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Certainly, you will be with me. So what is certain? It's Jesus's kindness and his mercy. So come and know him and find him certain. Let me pray. Father, thank you that we who are deeply uncertain, very shaken, um, but often pretending that we have certainty that we, that we do not have. Thank you that you come to us as the one who is perfectly certain and certainly good. And so I pray that we would believe so that we might understand. We would trust you so that we might find you certain. And we ask this in your name. Amen.